meditation, 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 depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice calm. Can't think of anything. This is meditation in the city. The Shambhala New York podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. I'm Francesca Leo, your host. The title of this episode is The Ever-Changing Story of Change. In this episode, we discuss how meditation practice helps us to be right there, on the spot, in the midst of constant turbulence. What would it mean to go with the flow, to address the momentary changes of our lives as they emerge in real time? Irene Woodard is here to lead us into an exploration of riding the present moment. Irene is currently the head of practice and education at the Skylake Retreat Center. She is a longtime student of Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche and Sakyang Mifam Rinpoche and life. Irene is a Kado student, a Kasung, a florist, and a mother of two. This talk was originally recorded in 2015. Here again is Irene Woodard. I'm surprised to be here myself tonight. This is my rehearsal dinner outfit. My son got married on Saturday. So I was mother of the groom. And my dear friend, Agnes Au, flew out for the wedding with her husband and then planned to be here for the week. And we were gonna gallivant, see some museums, when she was supposed to speak this evening. And the wedding was wonderful. It was Saturday night, and it was uh, an outdoor wedding. And we danced a lot, a whole lot. And Agnes and Daniel were left a little bit early uh, before it actually ended. And I was, I was still dancing. and. I was standing on the dance floor, and Daniel came running up to me and said, Irene, and he looked troubled. He said, Irene, Agnes fell, and we think she broke her wrist, and we need to go to an emergency room. So I grabbed my purse, and I headed out of the tent towards the house. And as I was leaving the tent, the DJ was saying, and now for the last dance. And I, and I just thought to myself, well, I'm missing the last dance. And it was really clear to me that I was going in the right direction, that I was leaving the dance floor to, be with my, to take care of my friend. Some, something had changed. You know, the plan, it wasn't as planned, right? And um, we put ice on her, her wrist, and she had fallen and uh, broken a tooth and bruised her knees. It was a, a, a very, um, it was a big fall. She flew back on Sunday, so the wedding was Saturday, and she flew back on Sunday. And then on Monday, I, I got a call from Timothy Quigley, who's the director here, asking if I would do the weekly Dharma gathering talk. And I said, and I ha hesitated for like a half a minute. And then I said, oh, this is definitely part of this narrative. I have to, I, I'm going to give this talk. So today I was on the phone with 
Ms. Al, which is our usual way of communicating anyway. Even when we, she lived in New York and I was on Long Island, we spoke a lot on the phone. And uh, we were chatting about her, all the, uh, you know, re -go going over the wedding and talking about her injuries. And, and towards the end of the conversation, she said, um, so what's your talk about? I said, well, I was thinking of talk, speaking about things as they are, because that seems like what's going on is things as they are. I looked on the um, website to see what the title of your talk was, but they had already changed it to Irene Woodard, so I didn't know what you were going to speak on. What were you going to speak on? And she said, well, the title of the talk was The Ever-Changing Story of Change. So that's what the title, so that's the talk, right? The, the ever-changing story of change. It is, things are always, always, always changing. And we can either go along with that fact or we can resist that fact. I could either sort of be no, I'm going to stay and do the last dance, you know, on this is my son's wedding. Or I can go with the flow and take care of what's being, what's happening. What's actually happening is things as they are, are that my best friend has just broken her wrist and I'm going to see what I can do to help. That's what's happening. Things got reprioritized very quickly, suddenly. And um, when I went into the bathroom to see her, when she was just holding her wrist with some ice around it, she was singing a song about suddenly, suddenly things are changing, suddenly, suddenly. One of my favorite playwrights, and Christopher knows about this, is, is Sarah Rule. And Sarah Rule wrote a book called A um, Hundred Essays I Don't Have Time to Write because she has three children and there's just this inability to do them. And I was thinking, when I was thinking quickly about how to put this talk together, I thought, well, this is like a hundred talks that I haven't had time to put together but they're ideas that I have somewhat strung together that I think have to do with things as they are. A hundred things as they are. So, why do people come to the Dharma? I went to, uh, where's Alec? Is he still here? There you are. Uh, I went to a, a program at the New York Botanical Garden called Plantarama. And um, one, of the talk, one of the talks at the Plantarama was about you know, how people become gardeners and how to draw people into the gardening world. And this woman made this comment who was giving the talk. She says, tomatoes are the portal <laughs> of making people gardeners. Like, that's, that's the portal. And so Alec and I were walking around afterwards and in the gardens, and I, and I asked Alec, so what do, you think, what do you think the portal to the Dharma is? 
Do you remember what you said? You know? Okay. It had to do with breakups, people breaking up. A tough breakup and the right book, you said? Right, yeah, some glimpse, like where, where could I go, right? Some wisdom, some pain and some wisdom might bring us here, looking for some change. We want some change to happen. Something's, something, or something has changed and it's brought us here. You know, like some big shift has happened and we're looking for ground. We're looking for some stability. And so meditation becomes that stability. It becomes that place where we can actually find some ground in, in the midst of this ever-changing life, world, whatever. It's the, the, the constant tingle, the constant movement of what it means to be a living human being. Or, and just mount, a mountain, or an ocean, or a, a dragonfly, or a rose, or the can of garbage that's going to then be thrown, thrown out. So this desire to find ground amidst the change is what we may come here for. In, the, in Google leadership training, they have, um, there was an interview with one of the gentlemen who hire for Google. And he was saying that they are looking for people that have high ambiguity tolerance. And that that's the same thing that people look for in the, uh, when they're interviewing for Doctors Without Borders. Is they're looking for people with high ambiguity tolerance. So that's a sort of complicated way to say what we are trying to do for ourselves, is we're, ba we're basically trying to become uh, high ambiguity tolerancers, people that can tolerate the the change of what's always going on and be able to ride that change and be with that change. And that's not to say that it doesn't hurt or whatever, whatever is going on, but we have an ability to ride it and be there. And that ability is because we have learned to sit with ourselves, which is a very uh, changeable uh, feeling, I would say. When we sit down on the cushion, there's a lot of activity. Even, even though we're relatively still, there's tremendous energy going up and down and feelings and irritations. Right? Yeah, that's familiar. So that's why we sit. That's one of the reasons why we sit. We sit so that we can become more familiar with our 
own mind and become more familiar with our own ground, our own home ground, our own basic goodness. In today's uh, Everyday Wisdom of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, which is online each day, today's was called Being a Buddha. Being a Buddha is not so much being a great scholar who knows all about everything, therefore is enlightened. Being a Buddha, being enlightened, is actually being able to tune our mind into the state of being which already exists, which is already liberated a long time ago. So it's not a matter of becoming a super scholar, is what he's saying. It's not becoming anything other than who we are. It's actually just sensing and being with ourselves and getting in touch with that, whatever that is, whatever that present moment is, whatever is going on in our now. So it's not about being, there being a better now. And this doesn't come, even though it's really obvious, for me, this doesn't come so naturally. It's um, on the morning of my son's wedding, I decided I was gonna, I wanted to practice. I decided to practice for an hour and a half in the morning when I woke up because I really wanted to be present for this event. And I didn't quite trust that I could go into it uh, without the, um, warm up on the cushion. So just as a, just as a, you know, a, a great athlete will do some warm ups, uh, that's what I chose to do as my warm up before the wedding because it was a really special day in my life and I really wanted to be there for it. I really didn't want to miss a second of it. And it worked. I had a really great time and I felt present for it. And I was able to be there for all of it, including missing the dance. You know, I missed the last dance and, and it was because I was awake and had just the right amount to drink. I didn't overdo it, and so I was present. And so I enjoyed myself. So what's the trick? How can we be present? One of the key words in, in our tradition is gentleness. And if I were to throw out one word that you'll walk out the door with tonight, I would say, uh, grab that one. Grab, grab gentleness. It's, it, will, it will serve you well in terms of how to appreciate the world 
that you that you might not be too tight or too loose. So how did Agnes fall? Why did she fall? Like what's what happened? I think she would admit that she was too loose. She said it was too much Vipassana. She actually stopped to smell a gardenia. She stopped to smell the roses. And she said she wasn't mindful. And so she, and so she tripped on a stair. So she, got, she said she was experiencing all the gardenia. She said she went back to smell it. She said she walked by it and then and went, turned around and went back and then tripped after smelling the gardenia on a stair that she didn't see. She also didn't drink too much, by the way. That wasn't it. So here's a favorite quote. You know this one, right? It's from Sarah Rule from the um, In the Next Room play. And Leo says, look at the snow out the window. Do you not think, Mrs. Givings, that snow is always kind because it has to fall slowly to meet the ground slowly or the eyelash slowly? And things that meet each other slowly are kind. So slowness requires us to be both aware and mindful of our world and to experience the present moment precisely. And then we will. It's the, it's the best thing that we can do for ourselves. It's the best approach to the world is that, is to just go a little bit slower. It's not, it, and this is not about like slow motion or stop action films. It's, it's almost uh, infinite, I wanna say infinitesimal. It's just so, it's just an awareness that we might go a little bit slower and experience our world. And then we actually experience the richness of, and the texture of, and the beauty of our lives, whatever is happening. My cousin who was with me for the wedding, uh, Diane, had cancer eight years ago, and she's recently just paid for a new can uh, a facility in St. Louis for breast cancer patients. And she wanted these si a sign to be put up in one of the rooms. I, I forget the other one. She put up two different plaques. And in one of the rooms, it said, this is a great day. That's a very vast, big approach and, and assumption of a very large mind 
and allowing people to have a very large, women to have a very large mind as they're experiencing cancer, that this is a great day. And I tell this story just simply because she hung out with me over the, you know, she was with me over the weekend and she told me, I just learned this story. I hadn't heard this one. And so it's new to me. But it's about appreciating change, whatever the change is. It's appreciating the, the richness of the moment. And life is, <laughs> it, it, it is like the big full catastrophe. It is totally the ups and downs. All of us have had just huge ups and downs, all of us. And it's, it's about the ever-changing st story of change, the ever-changing story of change, and how to be with that, how to ride that. With, with stability and with confidence and with dignity and fall off and get back on again. I fall down. <laughs> get back on. <laughs> I forget the words. I forget the words. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of times over the years and I'm I'm sure you will all experience this. We're, we find ourselves sitting in here and we, and we wonder, why are we doing this? You know, how did I get here? You know, sitting in this room, doing nothing. Like, how is this gonna help, you know? And, or we forget, you know, just sort of like, and, and because there's, you know, this, the Whitney Museum opened, and I really want to go see that. Ex you know, I want to go. And there's so much wonderful stuff to do. And and yet, the ability to appreciate our lives relies on our ability to become familiar and friendly with ourselves. And if we don't do that, we're gonna, we're gonna miss a whole lot of the show of life. And that would be really sad. So what's advised is that we remember the view and the motivation of why we're doing this, why we've chosen to sit. Because initially we may have had that, we've walked through that portal, we know why we, we came in here because we broke up with so-and-so and now, but that ended, and now you know, we're here and hoping for some other something to happen. And, um, and then that's over with and then we forget why we're here. Like, what are we doing this for? Because that's solved now, and I'm, you know. Or we're um, irritated on a particular day, and we're just waiting for the gong to ring, and like, it's, it's 
even though it's only 10 minutes, it feels like an hour. And so it's really, really, really important to remember what the point is. Like what we're trying to do here is to wake up. And that takes work and time and familiarity and our view of experiencing basic goodness, our ability to do that will be the key to having a, a life that has depth and profundity and humor. So it's important to remember why the bigger question why we came here not the not not only the relative reason we came here we came here maybe on a uh, for a real reason you know and then and then why are we sticking to it what is it what's in this what's in this for me why would i do this because it can actually benefit each of us we can benefit ourselves and we can benefit our world, our personal world, and we can actually benefit society. There's a possibility that we could actually become so familiar with change and how to ride change that we could actually um, create change for the world in a, in a non-aggressive way. And that is ultimately what's needed. So that, that view that we could actually change ourselves so that we are more, could be more benefit to both ourselves and our world is the view. And that keeps us motivated. It motivates us to come back to the cushion. Because we have some sense that we're not quite there yet. We feel good, but you know, we need to become more familiar with ourselves so that we can get more familiar with change, so that we can be friendly to change and help bring change to a, a world that is desperate for changes to be made. But it can only be, they, these changes can only be made by using the this gentle technique. It's not going to happen through harsh means or aggressive means. So finally, I'd like to talk about an, an app that I've been introduced to that I, that I believe is a really enlightened app. It's called Waze. <laughs> Waze is an, is an app, you know about it, right? Okay. Is, is an app for um, driving, getting from place to place, and getting directions. And it's a present tense app, so that it doesn't operate on um, its you know, it, it, Google Maps will show you how to get from here to there, and then when everybody's lost, everybody's using the same road, and then it's all trafficy. Waze actually traf is in the present tense, so it notes 
where things are slow, and what would be an alternate route that will move you faster. It's counterintuitive. It's, it's not your habitual way that you've always driven from 22nd Street to 116th Street. It doesn't work. What happens is, is I was when I was with my son in the car, we were in Chinatown, and we were in dead traffic trying to get to 116th Street. And he popped open his, his iPhone and said, let's use Waze. And it was gonna take us like through this little windy thing and downtown. So we were gonna go downtown to get uptown. And um, he said, just do it, Mom. Just, just follow this. And so we did it. And we went all the way down to the end of the island and then got on the Harlem River Drive and zipped up. And we were, we were there really fast. And it tells you how long it's going to take you as well. It's going to take you 20 minutes or whatever. So we got there, and I said, wow, this, this really worked. This really worked. And, and he said, that's called proof of concept. <laughs> and that proof of concept is that, in this case, we may have to not go our habitual way. We might have to just follow the present moment and trust it. And in this case, there's an app that says, this is what the present moment looks like. If you follow this, this is, you'll get there faster. And it works. But you have to trust the present moment. You can't, we can't necessarily trust our old way of getting from here to there. And by the way, you see new things. When we don't trust our habitual mind, we see new things. And if we see new things, anything is possible. Anything. Enlightened society is possible if we're willing to do that. If we're not willing to do that, it's the same old story. And it will be. It won't change. It won't change. If we don't change, if we're, we have an inability to change and go with the present moment, nothing will change. So, ways is the way. That is the way is the Waze app and to be in the present moment and to, and to follow the present moment, to train in that is to sit on a cushion 10 minutes a day, more if you can. 10 minutes a day is, is what the recommended dosage is. And it can shift our ability to be in the present moment. The truth of the ever-changing story of change is that it is true because there is a, a now. 
and now keeps changing. So we have to keep waking up to that and not fighting that. So that's it for now. <laughs> but if you have questions now, <laughs> we could talk some more. Um, thank you for your talk. Um, so I was listening, and I never heard the word happiness in terms of, so you sit on the cushion, and that's what, what's at the, at the end. And I know for a lot of people that that's one of the reasons, it's one of the things we're searching for in the cushion. So what would you, what would you say to that? Well, I did say I had a good time at my son's wedding, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because you were present. Yes. It's, a, it's about experiencing the spectrum of human emotion, and happiness certainly is one of those. To truly be happy is a great thing. And so our ability to do that it enlarges, expands, if we are willing to experience sitting with ourselves and being present. Mm -hmm. There might be an opportunity to experience more happy, more happy, richer happy. It's nothing that, um, in, being a warrior is not like doing anything different, you know, it's not, is it said in that quote about the Buddhist scholar, it wasn't about, you know, becoming something else, it's basically just, we're, we're learning how to do what we already know how to do, but become more um, able. Thank you. First, thank you very much, you moved me quite a bit when you said, today is a great day. Um, I know that well. My husband has cancer, and every day I tell him, today is a good day. And um, I wish, unfortunately, I've learned how to live and try and live in the present. And I wish everybody could do it, and I wish I could do it better. Um, I guess that's what, why I'm here, and I wish I could help him and others to do it better. So I'm always looking for that solution that way to do it and I guess my question is how do I impart that to my you know Catholic husband who doesn't know how to embrace the moment <laughs> and is stuck in kind of that um, how do I put it that guilt and all of that stuff and not that I'm going to change him I just want to enlighten him a little mm -hmm. because I want him to be happy and enjoy this moment because it's so important. Probably two things. I mean, the, the first thing we can do is is be present ourselves, right? And and sometimes that can be catching. You know, not trying to um, force anything, but gently be ourselves. And it um, some people then can forget themselves and sort of join in the fun, 
that's possible. And then the, the other thing in terms of um, my experience of being with others that have cancer or are ill is, is simply willingness to be with that person. A lot of times people don't want to even be present with that person and so it's not even, it's, it's a, almost as if I didn't have to do anything, I just had to be there, be. And you know, hold a hand or listen and uh, not try to change what is going on for that person, not try to make a person happy, actually sort of some willingness to let somebody be sad and to feel that and not try to change it is, is one of the greatest gifts that we can give is not, is, is not trying to change something. I think we innately try and change it. Yeah, yeah, like we, we, we want to make it better. We want to make it different. And it's actually, it's um, Cheryl Sandberg, what's her name? Cheryl, the one who just, did you read her, yeah, her, the article about, that she wrote on that Facebook? Did everybody read that? Anybody? It's very beautiful about how um, the greatest gifts that she, you know, when people were trying to console her, she was sort of saying, um, don't try to, the greatest gift was sort of like just listening and letting her be sad, right? Not trying to say, oh, it'll pass, or you'll, you know, this, you'll make you stronger, or all these things that people try to uh, sort of, uh, they're trying to help, but it's, it wasn't helpful, is what she was saying. It's sort of like the best gift is just let things to be, them, be what's going on. Let somebody feel their sadness, the tenderness of being human. I loved what you said about things that come together slowly are kind. Look, I didn't hear you, I'm sorry. Th things that come together slowly are kind. Um, I didn't write that, that was Sarah. It's Rule. really yeah. nice. <laughs> how, how can we practice that every day, especially with our interactions with others? I, I think sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes just saying the words, it like it can become a mantra. I mean, we can actually create some sort of mantra for ourselves, like come together slowly. You know, like how do we meet the moment? You know, as we're, you know, when you're in the subway and there's somebody across from you, and we could actually sort of uh, feel a little bit slower. Just it's basically waking up to um, the present moment and just breathing in what's going on. And, or it's, and it's not even just even walking slower, it's just noticing. The fact that once we sort of notice, it's, it's slowing us down. It's a pause. Or it's a, an ability sometimes to stay with something. Something that is maybe not um, pleasant. So there might be some ripe smell on the street. And instead of just like swiftly turning away, we might actually like do the opposite. 
we might actually take a bigger breath. We might actually, so, okay. We might actually feel our fear. We might actually sort of stay with a fear that we might have. And instead of sort of quickly trying to get out of this feeling, we might actually say, like, what does this feel like? Not run away, not go the other way. Actually turn into. That's the kind thing to do, is walk towards, say yes, rather than no. It's, it's, it's the ways way. It's, it's, and it is, it's definitely counterintuitive. It's not what we necessarily would do. It actually takes training. Because that's not in our nature to do that. So it takes training to sort of, to do that. But it becomes more and more familiar that we could actually sort of stay with something rather than immediately, you know, jump. And that's the reason that we sit, is we, it's sort of, we've got this situation here where there's a timer and we can't, we're just not going to just jump up and run out the door. We're going to stay here for this allotted time. And it's helpful to have somebody at that gong that will sort of mark the time for us. It's a sporting event. It is. It's definitely like going to the gym. It's definitely like that. It's sort of like you do the exercises and then you leave and then you're stronger in the day. You can actually pick up something that you, didn't, you weren't able to pick up before. You can walk a longer distance. It, ha it has this afterglow effect that can feel good and it also, it has all sorts of, I want to say feelings about it. It, 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 uh, highlight, it, it highlights a lot of things. So everything becomes sharper and more brilliant and more painful and more happy. Everything, it, ha it just, you, one can't believe how like, uh, LSD evil world feels. And it's very like very oh it's very brilliant, you know, you feel and we feel things more. Like and I and I definitely ran through that whole spectrum at the wedding. You just like it's like that parenthood movie. You know, where the the one with Steve Martin. It's like a roller coaster of emotion. Thank you, Irene. Um so you were talking about not too tight and not too loose, and also the value of practicing regularly. And I think in the past I was really like aggressive, like self-aggressive when I was practicing, and I would always sit for however long I had intended to sit, even if I was super uncomfortable. And lately I've been like, oh, I want to be gentle with myself. I don't want to meditate today. But now I feel like it's too loose. And so what, do you have any advice maybe to strike the balance between 
being gentle with yourself but not being lazy with your practice? That, that's a really good question. Um, I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> it's it's fine-tuning. You know, we're fine-tuning ourselves and to sort of and find that out. And it, it's always helpful to have a meditation instructor to sort of like maybe sort of uh, you know, pick up the corners and see what could be under there. Uh, but we have a pretty good idea of when we're fooling ourselves. And that's why it's good to have a fairly regular practice because it's just then it's, um, it's not up to us to decide. But uh, what the Sakyong has said is that without the view of the view and the motivation, sitting can be a dead end. So we sort of have to have a bigger view about what we're doing and the motivation for why we're doing it. It's not just about being, it's, a, it's about crafting this uh, mind, you know, to sort of like cultivate it so that it's actually awake and alert and, uh, and then how that is, how we get there is definitely not too tight and not too loose. And, uh, and we'll get feedback if we're too loose and we'll get feedback if we're too tight. You know, we'll 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 trip and break a wrist <laughs> or something, and that's feedback. Thank you for being here and uh, in coming to hear about the ever-changing story of change, and may your your own personal story uh, continue to change, and may you ride it with great. Uh, ability and happiness. Thank you.